0: Hey guys and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast we have the brilliant Katrina Daly. Katrina is a playwright from Dublin. She is a graduate of the Royal Court Young Writers Programme and she's best known for her work including Normal, uh, Test Dummy, hand sluts we talk about all this in the podcast and there's so much good stuff there and she's also a co-founder of the we get high on this collective alongside the excellent katrina ennis it's a deadly chat and if you're listening katrina thank you so much for taking the time to do it it was savage Another other news guys come check me out on stage in copperface jacks the musical if you are so inclined uh, and you should be because it's absolutely gas people are loving this one it's just such a like undeniably fun night at the theatre it ends with you know everyone on their feet to Maniac 2000 it's kind of perfect it's an unreal summer show, Uh, it's written by the excellent Paul Howard, uh, directed by the brilliant Carl Harper who you would have heard in last week's episode and the cast is just stunning Um, and hopefully we're going to have a few more episodes um, kind of with some of the uh, people uh, behind the scenes and on the stage because it's just such a brilliant bunch and I'm having the best time doing it. So come and check us out, it's at the Olympia Theatre until August 12th. Guys, enough of all of that nonsense, please enjoy the wonderful Katrina Daly playing Personality Bingo. With Tom Morin. Tom Moritz, personality, below. Tom Moritz, personality- Katrina Delli, ready to play personality bingo? I think so. <laughs> all right, let's uh, give a quick explanation of how it all works. So I've got 60 minutes on the clock there, 60 balls in here, and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers yeah. on that sheet of paper. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Um, 2,
1: 18, 26, 38,
0: and 52. Nice one. Do me another favour and pick something else, something between 1 and 60 that's not already there. Okay. What are you going to go for? Three. Three? Yeah. Any reason?
1: Um, I was born... Uh on the third minute of the third day of the third month. Nice. And my mum was 33 when she had me. And the first letter of my name is C, which is the third letter in the office. I go on about this all the time, and my family are like... Shut up! You're insane, <laughs> and I'm like, no, still though, it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, I find the number three everywhere, really.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's pretty good reason.
1: I think so. I think so. It it has yet to let me down entirely. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. good,
0: and I should say that if all six of those numbers, which I should say is three twice, <laughs> well, <it's laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's <laughs> the my
1: my parents. Whenever I start going on about this, are like, and you know, three, three, three by two is six, six, six. Yeah. So really, you're <laughs> the devil. <So laughs> and I have a two and a three here, so I think that's definitely yeah. Uh, Living up to their Their expectations moment. Yeah a red <laughs> microphone Going on
0: Red hair I mean, yeah 100% Perfect. Um, and Yeah but if all 6 seven numbers Do come out That means the tables are turned And you can ask me any question In the whole wide world And I'll uh, give you The truth The truth And nothing but Fantastic uh, Alright we give it a spin Yeah go Let's on. do it Okay here we go First out the gate We have number 57 Do you have it
1: No, no. 52 no. no
0: worries Oh we're getting right in there Number 57 If you could give your 12 year old self Some advice What would it be
1: Hmm, where was I at 12? Yeah, what
0: were you like when you were 12?
1: I was really, I was really awkward. Um, I kind of was surrounded by people who I think I probably thought were friends, but not really. I think I struggled with that a lot, kind of throughout my schooling um days. I'm getting right into it now, so, you know. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, advice. Because, like, I kind of think I'm not really, like, uh, like, I would give advice to people, but, like, I'm always, like, with advice, you kind of just have to go and do things and figure out, like... <laughs> like, you know, I, don't, I definitely don't think I, I'm quite happy to an extent where i am now and uh, like to a large extent i don't think i would have gotten to this place now if i hadn't gone through all of the shit that i did so yeah it's difficult to answer that, and that. um don't cut your hair into a bob, which I did at age 12. If that, like, that's the most practical advice. Like, it was awful. Like, I had lovely, long, strawberry blonde hair, and I was like, I want to change. Um, I'm so different, Mum. Uh, and I cut my hair into a bob. <laughs> it was awful. Um, so that. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs>
0: well, that's pretty good. I mean, that's standard. That's, like, you're not going to go too far wrong with that. Yeah. What about, um? What, that was an interesting thing you are saying about, like, getting... Uh, i don't know what the best way to put it but like not having a good maybe sense of like who were like the real friends and who weren't
1: yeah um yeah i kind of think i i i went through that for a years like to an extent i don't really feel i, I was very i don't I, like it's really funny like when you i think when you're back then you would have said you were bullied mm. and like now when you look at it I don't think I was bullied. I think I was always very weird and very strange. And weird is the wrong word. Very strange and not run of the mill. So I think there was a lot of confusion on everyone's part within that and I think maybe them not knowing quite what to do with me and me not quite knowing where I fit in in certain places. I think like um I what I certainly at the maybe not 12, but, like, at the beginning of my teens and stuff, I definitely was trying to go to Wesley and <laughs> be that person who I absolutely was not, like, but you try you try really hard because that's what you kind of, you know, and I look at those people who I just wanted to be when I was 13 and, like, actually, I'm so fucking relieved. I'm not, like, I'm, like, so, like, oh, no, man, I... <laughs> yeah no like I'm so much more interesting and and that's not fair but like do you know what I mean like it's you you really aspire to something when actually you realize it's very there's very little um to aspire to uh within that but um but yeah again I think um I think my 12 year old self probably had to go through all of that uh my younger self had to go through all of those things and and figure that out and then I think like when I finally kind of made proper friends who I'd known like since I was four anyway um and I yeah uh, they were always around and then like when I kind of made proper friends when I was like 15 16 I mean they're still I see them like twice a month now still you know what I mean so like Mm. it's it's worked out in the end but I think I did spend a lot of time just kind of yeah, trying to and I like I suppose um, going into gender, uh, but like you really try and enforce these kind of roles on yourself, and like no, this is you know what a girl is, and this is the things that I'm supposed to do, mm. and and I am weird and I am strange because I am not those things. So I think um, yeah, it's a tough like nothing. I like I have this really distinct memory of being like 14 and crying. I'd had a fight with my friends. I always just always seem to do something wrong. I'd it would just be like, and to an extent, I still do that now with my friends. I I sometimes just don't. My uh, my social cues are probably a little bit diff- different from others. Mm-hmm. But like, I have this really interesting memory of crying, um, age fourteen in my bedroom, wearing uh, Ireland had been in the World Cup that year, um. Where are you now, lads? Um, And I'd bought these like cool tops in No Name, which was a shop on Henry Street that had like they're kind of tight and they had Ireland on it. So I was wearing one of those, crying, listening to You Learn by Alanis Morissette. Like it's the most like the most like cliched teenage girl thing in the world. But that's what I did. And like that is that sums up my teen years for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no amount of money would bring me back there like literally no amount of money
0: at all I promise I'm not trying to lead you down a boring writer answer to this question but when you because I was very similar in the sense I literally when you said going to Wes I wasn't even from Dublin but like my friends used to come up and like go to Wes as a thing and it wasn't my thing and I I never drank till I was 18 you know like uh, uh, I was that. I was that kind of like, and I just wasn't like. I I I never ever kissed a girl at a disco ever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas that was what everyone was doing. But I really remember
1: we're like twins, Tom. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So
0: I really and I really remember being like, and now I would look at it as like, well, that's exactly like why you like are interested in writing now, and like that's why you know that's a big part of your life now yeah. is because I can literally see myself just kind of looking around and being like this is mad and kind of not being, like, whereas my friend could kind of, or it seemed like they could, they could shut off that part of their brain and just go and they could just fucking like, go up and talk to the girl or go up and do the silly dance or whatever the fuck was the thing they were doing. But like, I was very much, I was like standing back and kind of watching that and being like, this is so weird like do you not see how weird you're all being yeah i know like was that a thing that you look back on now and be like yeah that's kind of connected to my creativity yeah
1: well what i would say to that and i think what was always and still is to this day um i live in my head um and i would by the sounds of it you you probably might too a little bit Mm -hmm. so i think when particularly in places like Wes and stuff like it's um it's people who don't Think too much, like about um consequences or expectations, or like you know, so they can just ah uh, they just do things without kind of processing it. Where I would say I certainly would. I don't know me. I, mean, I process things to the point of I can't do anything because I'm frozen, paralyzed with all of these. But what if this and what if that and what does that mean and one and then my head goes completely insane. Um, and I think I think also as well that's why i kind of didn't really fit in a lot because i wasn't in the like i literally feel for the first maybe 20 years of my life i spent my time just observing other people i don't really think i partook really in anything too mm. much mm. i was just so in my head um and like i often say, <laughs> but so like i think like those friends that we're talking about wesley who were just able to like do it and kind of like whatever they're not think they're they're just they're kind of like there may be more led with their body where we'll be led with our minds and yeah and all this this kind of stuff um i had something else to say what was it yeah i often say like i still like i think i love being a writer but like in a way it's cursed me forever because like you can't say anything to me because what I do all day is analyze why people say the things they say and what it really means and like subtext and blah, blah, blah. So anything you say to me, I'm like, what does Tom really mean? What's under that? What's going on? Which is a little bit of a of a curse. Like it's, I mean, it comes in handy and it's great in other respects. But I do do think it really stilts you in a lot of a lot of your life and stuff. But hey, you know, I have my creativity and my. You know my uh, my ability to analyse. So <laughs>
0: and in then like, because I know it's. I think it, you're right. Because it's a really tricky thing when that's what you do to then separate that out. Like I was going to say outside of your creative life but I completely understand the thing of well like my creative life kind of is my life because they completely inform each other how do you make an effort to reconcile like living you know in your head and then but actually in terms of making it conducive to living like a good like healthy you know like life that isn't riddled with just like anxiety and like expectations and and all these things do you actually actively work on that?
1: Oh oh yeah and like I've really 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 had to um like, uh, at the moment, I suppose. Like, I feel I got diagnosed with them. Um, I'm about to go really deep, guys. So, um, I got diagnosed with um type one diabetes when I was nine, right. um, and I kind of have been wrestling with depression since I was eight. So I've had a lot of stuff going on from a very young age, and I think certainly with the diabetes, what happened was. Like, I think my poor mother cried every day for a year after I got diagnosed because, like, you know, I, I, like, I, I have to inject, like, eight, nine times a day, which is a lot. Everything, you know, my life kind of revolves around it. But um, I think what happened then was my mom was so upset and so anxious and so nervous about it that she kind of took control of it. So I think for most of my young life, I had no responsibility for my body in a way, and I was not in touch with my body at all because it was my mom's responsibility to make sure I didn't die. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Like, and, you know, it's not, she. I think she tried to kind of relinquish the reins a little bit, but, like, I was just kind of, like, like, just completely, like, I had, I'd I'd lost, there was a disconnect um, with my body for a long time. Um because like really like if you're told at nine that your body doesn't work and that literally if you don't do this every day you'll die you kind of a resentment starts to build you have like a w- I've had a very strange relationship with my body um and I think yeah so so that kind of that that dominated a lot of my younger life um where I again I was somebody who lived in my head anyway and now I just had a disconnect from my body so I didn't relate the two at all um and then what's happened recently is I have started suffering from chronic pain um the past two years so I have fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis which for a 30 year old is pretty weird but um I, kind of, I, I feel kind of weirdly grateful for it in one way because it has brought my attention to my body in a way that I have never been able to connect with it before. But when you're in physical agony, like day after day, you have to pay attention to your body. You have to keep hmm. going. You have to figure it out. So I think in a really weird way, it's been i'm not going to call it a blessing because my god the agony but um it's been a a weird blessing in one way in that i have to check in with my body and my shoulders and my joints and yeah so it's a lot
0: (laughs) and like what so what does that because i'm sorry that that's a reality yeah that sounds horrific what does that look like on a day-to-day basis
1: um it changes from day-to-day uh I kind of like, I'm coming through it now at the moment. They've started me on, I was on steroids for a bit and I was high as a kite and loving life. Um, but if they've started me on a biological drug. Um, it's a biological agent, which I have to get intravenously kind of every four weeks. Um, that has yet to kick in, so I'm not in a great um, space. But it's a lot of stiffness, um, a lot of... Uh, the way I put it, I remember recently I was being introduced to a group and I was like look if I'm putting on my jacket and it looks like I'm having a stroke I'm not but it feels like I am (laughs) because that is like it's really small stuff that causes just reverberations pain around your entire body um it's a but it's a lot of stiffness um a lot of like last year my middle finger was kind of completely contorted if I showed you I don't know if you can see it there Tom you can see kind of contortions in my fingers Mm -hmm. and stuff um yeah, it's a it's a lot of pain. Um, you have to get very used to asking people for help, which is like the amount of times I've had to ask my flatmate to do my bra, like is ridiculous, um, which means I very rarely wear a bra, you know. And it's not, a, I, I wish it was a feminist statement, but it's really just like, I can't take the pain today, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of things like that, which are quite annoying
0: does it how much like does it affect your ability to do your job in the sense of to sit down at the laptop or at the copy book wherever it might be and write
1: um i'm still okay with typing now if i do an awful lot of typing i'll feel it the next day um the one thing i would say that it does affect in that respect is that it has a really bad effect on your mental health when you're in that much pain which obviously affects your writing kind of tenfold so that's really really annoying um uh, when you're just like, cause, and certainly like the fatigue. Because like I know I'm 30, I have two autoimmune diseases at age 30. So my fatigue is through the roof. So it'll depend on how I wake up, whether I've slept. So it's it's kind of, yeah, it's like, it's weird, like different knockoff effects. They're not necessarily, like you wouldn't necessarily connect them, mm. but they're there.
0: Yeah, And... What when you said earlier about because that's really interesting to me about what you were saying about the disconnect that was there from a young age, uh, between like you and your body and mm-hmm. like th- that relationship, what would we'll talk a little bit more about that because that was really interesting,
1: yeah. Um, I suppose it was weird stuff where like and it used to really upset people, and like I wouldn't, um, like someone had died that'd be close to me and every week crying and whatever, and I'd be like. And it's not that I wouldn't be sad, um, but I wouldn't be able to... I would, like, then randomly, like, three weeks later, burst into tears. And I wouldn't understand why. Um, So it was really weird from that kind of thing in that, like, it wasn't... It was... There was, like, a delay in it and, like, my body didn't... um, it was two different reactions at different times, but like I remember, my granny died. This is ten years ago now, and um, you know, my brother and my cousins, all guys as well, were just bawling by the bedside, and I was like, "Do you think want a glass of wine?" <laughs> Do you know? And again, it's not like it's not that it's not grief. It's just, um, it was a deli- it w- The best way I can describe it is that. It was the delayed effect. Like even like my granddad died a couple of years ago. And again, no, I was there when he died, when he took his last breath and nothing. And uh, then the funeral, like a couple of days later, this sparkle horse song came on. It's called The Most Beautiful Widow in Town. And I just started crying. My mom was like, what? And I was like, just the song is so sad. It's so sad. Um, But again, that was, uh, that was not, not because of Sparkle Horse, you know, it's great. I like, think it's not that reason. Um, so yeah, so I have like I have like weird, um, weird reactions like that, and that kind of would have, and then I think, yeah, and like, and then I remember one really distinct of being memory of being absolutely heartbroken, and, um. No, I wasn't really heartbroken. I was, like, kind of, like, really happy that something had ended. And um, my cousin was playing for the Dublin Minors uh, in the quarterfinals of... Was it quarterfinals? Semi-finals? Donegal Hockey Dust. In Crow Park. And, like, I was really happy... I was really happy because it was, like, a chapter had closed in my life. But I couldn't stop crying. Like, and my... My mom, my dad and my cousins, they were like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, no, I'm really happy. It's fine. <laughs> I couldn't understand what was happening. Because I didn't, it was just my body reacting to something. But in my head, I was like, I'm grand. Like, th- I'm really happy. And, like, so I remember just, like, I had a pint, like, in, you know, the kind of courtyard of Crow Park. W- and all of my <laughs> my brother and my cousins were all just, like, standing there watching me. Be like, oh, it's fine. And then I knew, I knew I had to stop crying. When my cousin, who had lost, um, and he was like, I think he was like sixteen at the time, like he was super young, and he'd been crying obviously, and he came up to me in the house after, and he was like, "Are you all right?" And I was like, "Okay, I need to stop now." This, this fifteen-year-old is like asking me, "Am I all right?" But yeah, so it's kind of weird. It's like I don't, I didn't understand for a long time what I was doing, really, with my what my body was doing because it was a different reaction to my head, I mm-hmm. think,
0: yeah. And then as, like, that understanding comes, how, like, what's that process? Because you, like, just from talking to you for the 15, 20 minutes or whatever, yeah. you have a really, like, beautiful understanding of, of like, yourself and humans. It's really interesting to talk to you. But obviously that's part of, like, writing, and that's why you're good at what you do. How much of that then comes from other things, like, like therapy, or, or is that just literally yeah. coming from yourself and just thinking about... Um situation.
1: Uh, like, it's really, again, um, I would have been in and out of counselling since I was 10. Right. Um, and then I, the last counsellor I went to, I think I was 22. Tw- yeah, 22, 23. And then I stopped because I just didn't feel it was helping. Um, but I went through another thing uh, <laughs> uh, in 2015 where... Uh, I was hyperventilating like maybe twenty four hours a day. Um like I think my longest episode of it was like two weeks. So you've two weeks of like like not being able to talk. So like that's when I had to like that was just like Katrina that's not normal. Um so I started autogenics um which I have you heard of autogenics? No. So autogenics is like a way it's really interesting. It's a way of taking control of your body in panic attacks because really what happens when you have a panic attack is that you lose all control right. um, of your functions. So what it does is, it's like, we'll do a little session there, Tom. Um, it's like uh, you kind of breathe. Uh, my feet are warm and heavy. My feet are warm and heavy. So you imagine your feet being warm and heavy. You do the same with your hands, your shoulders, your torso, your head, warm and heavy so it you are taking control of your body again because you're telling it how to feel and um, so I would have practiced that a good bit the hyperventilation has pretty much stopped it'll come back in bursts um in under different kind of uh things but I've done that I also went it's great guy that I highly recommend to everybody pork Omoron is it's his name and he's kind of like the guy for mindfulness in ireland so i started i went to a workshop he did when the chronic pain had started um and that was really that's great and that's mindfulness is like i know it sounds cuckoo to a lot of people but it's so easy to do and it really just like focuses your mind on the moment and stops you running away with yourself and going ahead of yourself so i have done stuff like that um and I think they're really like I would definitely the autogenics I don't really need as much anymore. Um I have when people I know have gone through panic attacks, I sit with them and I do that with them. Um but the mindfulness thing is just like, yeah, whenever I need it, I just kind of do it. I'm doing this other thing at the moment, which is uh, so you tap the the bone of your eye and it releases so anxiety gets trapped in our body and it mainly gets caught up in your kidneys so this has a nerve reaction in your kidneys that releases releases that so yeah. there's a nice holistic tip for the day um yeah
0: there you go yeah oh, it. let's give it a spin let's right. give it another one that was a long answer <laughs> uh, here we go number 42 do you have it i do not no worries number 42 oh kind of interesting what is your biggest career disappointment to date
1: career disappointment date um hmm that's tricky um I suppose really like and I don't mean to. I could go into like different specifics Mm -hmm. but like um I still haven't been commissioned and that's just like so annoying like it's just really annoying because in a way I don't think and like this is bullshit and you know I don't recommend anybody else think this or feel this way but a lot for me has been and it's kind of tied up in other stuff but it's this idea that you know, I'm, you're not really an artist until you start getting paid for it. Because um, we do get paid just it's in weird ways and not always enough to pay your rent. um. Uh, so yeah, I think that for me is like um, like I remember when I got nominated for an Irish Times Theatre Award a couple of years ago, people were like, oh, da, da, da. And I was kind of just like, where, I'm not getting paid for anything. (laughs) Like, it's, like, yeah, it's really nice and stuff, but, like, I'd prefer a commission than than an award nomination. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I suppose, yeah, I think that's really just annoying and, like, I'm nearly there, I think. But um yeah that's that's just really and I, yeah I think that's a lot about the industry that we are currently the culture in the industry we're currently residing in um and yeah I I it's 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 a tough one like I understand that most of those companies don't have money like I do get that but um uh it's I can understand why people are going to London like how can you you like uh you can't expect anything to grow um if you're not nourishing it, so yeah, yeah, I think that's probably probably it
0: what what is when you say you know that you think that you're nearly there now yeah what are those like breadcrumbs that are leading you to believe that
1: um different relationships with different companies right. uh having the right meetings um like I kind of went through writer's block for about two years, which was an absolute pain. Mm. So I had all these meetings with people like last year and stuff, and I just didn't have a script to give them. So it was like Jesus. But I do think I'm in a better position once I get the scripts finished. Tom, <laughs> I'll be in a better position to kind of go back and I have this. And yeah,
0: yeah. And what about writer's block? So because I'm sure, like it's one of them things. Like you'll see like a little YouTube clip being like you Know so and so says writer's block doesn't exist, or, or <laughs> all these kind of different, oh. yeah, 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 in that voice. What, what, um, what did that, what was that like for because two years that's a long time,
1: it's a long time. Um, it was really annoying, and I kind of went into self destruct mode as well. Um, along with it, as I do with most things. Um, I don't know, it's, I think for me, um, I didn't feel, um, passionate about anything, I didn't. I think again, kind of going back to the disconnect with my body and stuff, I think I'd probably gone through a lot of trauma and I hadn't acknowledged it. And yeah, and I was just kind of like, didn't feel passionate like me for me like I I am like a super passionate person. I'm stupidly intense and you can either take it or you can't. Um and like I'm always like you know my dad used to go to me like you know you know if only so and so could find his passion like the way you found your passion and I used to say to my dad I was like no dad I haven't found my passion I am passionate about everything like I am passionate about avocados like anything like so I don't when people are like no he's really passionate about that I'm like no that's just a passionate person. Like, if you're passionate, you're passionate. It doesn't matter what it's about. Mm. You know, apathy for me is pretty difficult to attain. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, so I I didn't feel passionate about anything. Um, And like, I just didn't, I think you can, it's very easy, particularly with creative arts to get despondent and kind of just like, oh, and I think I'm certainly not blaming it on that because I think really the main thing for me was like I just wasn't feeling anything. I didn't have any feelings about anything, and um, uh, I was on antidepressants, and I think that probably. Helped. Sorry, I really feel like I've just come in and been like, these are all of my medical problems. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> I um, but I think that had a huge, a huge thing to do with it and um yeah I just was like a dried well I think and I do think that happens like I mean my uh one of my parents really good friends is uh quite a well-known poet and like he would talk about that all the time and like it's just really weird things like I'd moved into a new apartment and like I knew how to like uh, space is a weird thing for me I don't think it is for everybody but like I can write some places and I cannot like one of my friends who lives in New York recently was like just come over to New York for three weeks I mean you can write anywhere and I'm like really I can write anywhere but for me it's yeah it's like a delicate balance of different atmosphere and yeah um I I couldn't just go into a Starbucks and write like (laughs) I'm not um and I think yeah I moved apartments and I think that had something to do with it as well like I knew my routine in my mom my dad's house I knew my routine when I was living in London but like it moved into this flat and, like, I was just partying all the time as well. So it was like, that's not conducive to riding either. Like, and that's something you really learn, I think. um You cannot go out drinking four nights a week and expect that you're going to have any sort of good output. Um So, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. What about then, off mic, before we started, you mentioned that, like, right now is a really creatively i can't remember what the word you use was but like you're just firing like at the moment oh yeah it's happening oh god so Mm. then and that but like you were saying it's just interesting you were saying like but that's also super intense in in the sense that you're not even being able to sleep properly because your brain's just go go go
1: completely like yeah um like that doesn't always like it's really funny i think um how many plays have i written i think maybe eight or nine ten maybe at this point yeah i always think it's funny it's like You can plan what you're going to write till the cows come home. But really, until you sit down, you don't know what it is. Like, and this one, like, to be quite honest, I was writing something else. And... It got difficult, so the easy option. I took the easy option. And I decided I would start an entire new play um, instead of just finishing what I had started. And I probably will go back to it anyway. But at the moment, I was just like, no. As soon as I feel trapped, I'm like, not worth feeling trapped. Just do something else. Um, start something else. And it's just like, like don't know where. I uh, like I. I think I started two days ago. I'm like 7,000 words in. Like it's insane. Okay. Um, not giving, not, you know, I'm not sleeping with it. But hey, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Like I think that's that's art at its truest form, I think. It's like just your subconscious going and you not really knowing where that's coming from. I love, um, there's this great Christine McVeigh from... Fleetwood Mac talks about when she wrote "Songbird." I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Like, it's, do you know the song "Songbird"? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful song. But like, she says she just woke up in the middle of the night and just it just emerged. And she said she, you know, it had never happened before. It never happened again. It just was like, just all kind of fell out. I think that does happen. It doesn't always happen, but like, and you have to learn how to write. That's why you have to learn how to write plays because it's not always just going to be like. Here we go on a plate um but it is really lovely when it does happen um like I just don't even know who these people are in my head they're just like talking and like um again it's you know something I feel passionate about so that's good I just need to get it all down and yeah, but it's an it's a really it's a lovely experience so I think when it's not happening you get really frustrated because you know why isn't it happening and you know but like yeah when it it's just a strange mix of a load of things coming together i think really for the most part
0: and for you is it has it so far been only plays or are you interested in poetry or novels or screenplays or tv in terms of other mediums to channel that creativity
1: um i did a bit on fair city uh a little while ago, which I enjoyed, um, lovely people, and it's I loved the difference between the two. Um, to be honest, like I've always been a playwright, I like I like since I was ten. Like I I've never I don't really like I sometimes write blog posts when I'm really angry about something but like I'm not really I, I that's just what I am. Yeah. And I'll do I'll do other things. But like certainly like if you asked me to sit down and write a novel I'd be like what? What is I like that's like another science to me. Like I don't understand that. Um poetry I would have done again when I was like eleven or twelve and I was listening to Alanis Morissette and crying in my bedroom. Um but yeah no I just don't don't really don't really yeah I, I'm I and I don't I don't all, I also don't like sounding like I'm a purist cuz like but I it's always it's my, always my natural instinct um is dialogue and yeah yeah
0: and where does london fall into everything then for you
1: um london I loved london I somehow managed to live in london on 10,000 pounds a year and it was really tough but I did it. Um. Uh, I started the Royal Court Young Writers Program. It was the last ever Young Writers Program in twenty thirteen before Vicky Featherstone took over the Royal Court, and um, at the time I was living in Dublin, um, working five jobs. This is insane. And I kind of, you know, um, I was working five jobs. One of which I was teaching in CTYI in DCU. And I would literally... I had to... Uh, the course in the Royal Court was on every Monday. So I would teach in DCU till half two. Get a flight at half three. Go over, do my course. Uh, it was just like seven to nine, I think. Then me and the people from the course, we'd all go to the pub. then I would get a tube to Heathrow at like quarter to twelve. And then I would sleep in inverted commas in Heathrow till they open security at 5am I would get on a flight at half six and then be teaching at nine again in the morning yeah and it was funny because like um I was doing it because it was the only way I could afford to to go to London and to do the course so um so yeah it was uh yeah it was intense and it's the kind of thing like I think what age was I was like 24 and I was like you would now I would never do that now like that would just be insane and like sleeping in Heathrow every week I would be like it'll get better next next week and it just never did it was awful it was so bad it was awful but um but great fun so yeah so I started that and then uh, I had loads of friends in London um post recession and yeah, I just like was really loving it. So I was like, nah, sure, go on. Um so I did that and I was there for about a year and a half, I think. Mm. Yeah. So.
0: And and like living off those ten thousand pounds, like what so is that coming from like various different day jobs?
1: That was uh so I was teaching um independent living courses in uh a place called Orchard Hill College in, um, Camberwell. Uh, so that was for adults age 18 to 25 with kind of severe, um, and profound, uh, uh, learning difficulties. So we're talking like, uh, no verbal communication, um, uh, sometimes very limited mobility, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, those courses were kind of, I loved that job so much um but it was really intense but it was like stuff like teaching people like how to make toast and taking them out in the taking them to the supermarket and and that kind of thing and um yeah it was it was it was a really really worthwhile thing to do it was very fulfilling um and i really enjoyed it but like you really like i was getting paid like 9 pence an hour and like when you're getting 9 pence an hour as a carer and the guy who does the t- tech is getting paid like 28 grand a year you're kind of like there it I think it's so reflective of our society and what you value and how it's valued I think it's really yeah it's pretty bleak um but yeah so I did that for a year I loved it but yeah it got to a point where um uh things were kind of kicking off here a bit more with my theater career and yeah and again it just like it was really funny when I moved back home I moved back in with my parents it's like a notch released from my stomach that I didn't even know was there and like it had just been this stress ball in terms of finances and stuff that you weren't even Mm. really aware of and like we'd so we had a three bed house um, and we snuck another person in who lived with us so we had reduced rent and I walked everywhere in London. So as a result I know it really well. But like to people in London you were insane. Why are you walking? Like like people in London get on a bus and get off the next stop like. um uh, so uh but yeah, so I lo- like you know I I you know I think I took the challenge well enough but then the my friends were like living were kind of in more career jobs and had more money and they wanted to do things. It was difficult having to be like can't afford to do that and yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, come here. Let's give it another spin. All right, here we go. Whoa, flying out. Is it. Number 58. Do you have it?
1: Um, No, 52.
0: Ooh, no worries. If you... Oh, kind of interesting. You spoke briefly about this earlier. If you were to have a child assuming that second medicine doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I,
1: my first... my That was like a... I would not have gone on the medicine yeah, yeah, if that yeah. was... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you won't want to have children <laughs> like, <laughs> um but uh, if you uh where would you bring them up with religion
1: christ no jesus not a question yeah
0: she says yeah. saying christ and jesus yeah i know i know uh,
1: i know uh, no absolutely not no way yeah not a hope w-
0: no w- that's resounding like no yeah yeah <laughs> any re- reasons or just like
1: do i need to stay i don't them? think so but
0: i mean uh, it's interesting because if we were having this conversation probably like 20 years ago you know even probably like five years ago you would have had to because of school
1: yeah and you'd be scared or you'd be scared to say no like it's yeah right um i think like uh like religion helps some people and i can acknowledge that and that's fine but i think like really just be good to people that's all anybody needs to be told or like i'd be quite staunchly atheist Um. i don't you know I yeah th- you know, I just yeah no just be good you know be good to people on earth while you're here the afterlife is what you've left behind what you've said to people it's your that's how you live on is is through that kind of thing I yeah no I have I have very little time for for religion um and like yeah and like I made my communion made my confirmation went through the whole the whole thing um but it has done nobody I know of any good, really. Mm. So, no, just, just now. <laughs>
0: That's a good answer. <laughs> 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 All right, here we go. Number 51, do you have it? 52. Oh, we're dancing around that 52. Come on. Number 51. Um, The question is, if you could choose one person to interview, who would it be?
1: Um, I think Roald Dahl. Mm. Yeah. Who is my hero, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did um, was it just growing up with the books?
1: Books, yeah. Uh, I just think he's like, what a, he just seems like so lovely. Like yeah. everything, he it's just, he's not preachy. He's never like, and like I think, like it's been said a million times before. I'm not, you know, saying anything new, but like, he just he's so he was so unafraid of the reality of life in in his children's books and like the death of parents and the the r- just the horrors that some people go through like when you when you look at James the giant Beach like I mean the poor kid like he's you know imp- imprisoned in his auntie's house and just like just yeah I, I just think he never spoke down to anybody and he never yeah I just think he's great um
0: what what is it in um, and y- please feel free to extend this out to playwrights what is it in other writers that like excites you when you see it
1: um, really subtle dark humor. Mm. Uh, I love that. Um, I'm trying to see. Can I think of any really good examples? Um, can I? What have I seen recently? Um, yeah, I just, just stuff that's unexpected and just not. Um, like I love, I love to laugh. So if I can, like Cypress Avenue for me was just like, yeah. Oh my! Like I just man, when he crunches her neck, and you're like, Jesus! I thought her—I thought she had broken her neck, like—and uh, that just bringing you to those lengths is like amazing. Yeah. Um, I think David Ireland is incredible. I'm going to see his new play, Ulster American, in Edinburgh now in August. Um, but yeah, it's just like, just yeah, I, I, I like things that question, like I kind of like. Like, people say issue plays if it's a bad word. But, like, I think, like, for me anyway, I love issue plays. And I love something that's trying to tackle some sort of question um, and trying to, you know, get us all to think about something more. um, Yeah. that mm. And that's certainly what I try to do myself. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I think that's probably it.
0: All right, let's, think, let's give it a spin. Okay, here we go. Number 24. Do you have it?
1: 26, oh. nearly there.
0: No worries, number 24. The question is, what is your definition of success for yourself?
1: Oh, yeah, okay, so, like, I think, like, I always find success really funny and, like, people will be, like, you'll be like to people or people be like to you. Oh, you're doing really well. Uh, yeah, you're doing great. And you're, like... <laughs> I can barely pay my bills (laughs) like so I think like success is weird like and like I would think somebody's like super successful and doing so well when actually they have the same kind of worries as I do and whatever so I think like a very much and then you like see people who like are never gonna be happy because it's never enough do you know what I mean like you could get every role in the Abbey or you know get every commission from every theatre company but it's not this so it's not enough so like while you or I could be like that person's really successful it's not real because they'll never that's like success is so self-measured and like I think for me like um I would be happy if I could just pay my bills and like work like at my own speed at things and like yeah like um just yeah, kind of just like be content. I don't I don't need to have like flashy anything and like I know that's probably what everybody says. You know, I just want to get by. Um but yeah, like I you know, I think anybody who says they don't want to be successful is lying. Um I do want to be successful, but like as long as I'm happy and healthy, I'm happy, like I'm good. Mm. And you know, it's I don't really th- to be honest I think success for me won't really have anything to do with that much professionally like um I think just contentment is a wonderful thing and it's not always I think it's it's underrated a lot of the time and like yeah I think that's kind of yeah that'd be great yeah
0: yeah yeah no i mean it, and it, it, it like i know <laughs> i get i get your instinct to be like that's probably what everyone says but it is so funny especially you know to bring it back to like um you know just like living in dublin is expensive like really yeah. expensive and like the uh and into especially when we do what we do and it's as unpredictable and as even when you're working it, it's not actually really well paid you know what i mean especially like the money that we would make even if we are working does not really equate to like what it costs to live in this city you know what I mean I had a chat with a playwright I can tell you who it is off mic but I I just don't want to purely out of like um, respect for the conversation but it was like someone who is commissioned by like our big houses and stuff and they told me what they make in a year and I I I think it was like and this is someone who again I would be like these are this is like our top like one of our top living playwrights and it was like I think it was like 30... 30 something like 33 or 4 and you're like fuck right okay so that's what like the reality is
1: and like that's what's hilarious because like uh, like uh, people get so caught up in like you know when you maybe when you get the commissions and you're like no 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 like even when you're getting them you're still gonna have to do something else so you're constantly like but also I think probably as a playwright you should always be doing something else in the world because you're never gonna that's how you get to know people you get to see different parts of society and yeah, like, I think that that's a good thing for the most part, do you know what I mean? Mm. How can somebody who spends all of their time in a room writing, write about the world? That just seems nonsense to me, do
0: mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So for you, it's the trick to find something else that you can do that doesn't sort of destroy your soul sort of thing? Exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: Some sort of balance, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Big yeah. time. All right, let's give it another spin. Okay, here we go, number 28. Do you have a... St-
1: 22... Was that not the one we just had? Uh, no, twenty six. I have mm. uh,
0: number twenty eight. Is uh, do you believe in love at first sight? Um,
1: no, I just don't. Mm. Um, like I, c- I believe I can be really, really instantly attracted to somebody. Um, but I d- love to me isn't looking at somebody and wanting to have sex with them. Love is um is uh being okay being on the toilet when they're in when they're in the bathroom. <laughs> or like, do you know it's just stuff like that's you know, I don't think I don't that's not my concept of love is, you know. I think like lust at first sight, yeah, you can know and I think like I very much believe in chemicals and people having a certain chemical reaction to each other, most definitely. But love at first sight is just um I don't just call it nonsense, but like everything is chance and everything is like Everything is chance but everything is also work. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I think like if you like somebody enough you work to to be happy and you you work to be in love and you know that's all. But I don't um I don't really I was in a course once with a girl who like met someone and moved in with them the next day literally. And they were together for like 10 years but they didn't last. Um but like I think and I also think, sorry, I'm like this most convoluted answer like ever. Awesome. I do think like you can like, I think generally if you choose, it's like me and the no- the number three. <laughs> if you choose to believe something is true, then you'll manifest that into, into real life. So like, if you believe in love at first sight, yeah, you can make that happen for yourself, I think.
0: Um, Have you had that experience then when, because, you know, I I'd agree that, you know, like the largest element to you know like love and like a sustainable thing has to be like hard work yeah you know have you had that experience of having that like love part there and being like okay this is here this is like the building blocks that we need but now like it's that putting together and like working at something and then that experience of just being like oh fuck but like the work isn't enough either you know what i mean like even even though we're working it it doesn't
1: matter like i'm very much a believer of like the love of your life is not necessarily the person that you're going to be with forever. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I think there's different kinds of love. Is that what you were
0: asking? Yeah, kind of. That's that's such a that's such a that sentence to me is fascinating and like but that's like that, I think i am probably like a romantic. That's like a yeah. sad sentence. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. But I do think like I mean, Jesus, like I think of some of the some of my past history and I'm like I just would never want that again. Like, fuck. <laughs> you're insane um but that's youth isn't it and like it's what you imagine love to be when actually all you really want is like someone who's kind really that's like kindness is the most important thing um but like yeah like but at the same time then i look at um previous experience and i'm like i don't think i'll ever feel that intensely or that um heartbroken or that again Mm. which is sad but it's also a good thing but then i think yeah like i think um i think uh, what am i trying to say yeah i think it is a sad sentence but like i mean i don't know about you have you had any kind of mad, intense, passionate affairs. Yes. Yeah, like would you want to go back there?
0: Uh no, but that's not to say I haven't and I don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean because but there's something but again, it's like um some there's some lessons that are just very hard to like learn as well.
1: Yeah, it's like why do I keep smoking? Right. Do you know? Um I know it's going to kill me. Um but it just feels so fucking good sometimes. Um, but yeah. So like I don't. But then I also feel like I've become really. Um, I don't. Not bitter. I've become quite pragmatic with all of my. Kind of romantic. Uh, dalliances. In like. I don't really like. I'm not very. Yeah. I think like I'm maybe lost. I'm you know. Um, I Like I'm. Yeah, I just, again, living in your head is just a terrible. Thing. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. Yeah, But like, I think like, I think for a lot of years, I was just kind of like off my rocker, like just like not interested in having a relationship, just kind of being like, here we are, let's go. Um, And now I think I'm probably winding down. And yeah, but I still, I couldn't go back to, to that. I also don't really feel like maybe I've ever properly been in love. Mm. do you know mm. like I think I mean I just think everything Tom I've just said everything <laughs> I don't really know what I'm saying Um, but like yeah I just wouldn't go back to what I thought love was yeah
0: because um, it, it, it's a weird thing it's one of them like definitions for yourself that kind of yeah. by its definition has to be like well, I I don't know. Like, does it does it always shift? Because you know, are you in love because of the feelings, those chemical feelings you felt the most for, for the person you felt them the most yeah. for? Is that your?
1: Well, my one rule is. After, um, I have had, carnal embrace with someone. <laughs> is that I I don't and like this is only like in the past kind of two years cuz like before I did not have the sense to do this. I give myself 3 to 4 days after the incident um to get the chemicals out of my body. Um and then consider my feelings about what has happened. Oh. Because the chemicals do strange things to you and i think they can trick you into certainly as a woman i think it might be different for for men Mm. but um they can do strange things to you and i think it's best to you know distance from the event and all yeah
0: yeah that's that's really interesting yeah and has that changed and like affected the way that you've interacted with like just romantically with people
1: and um, has it changed? Well, like I As opposed to not doing that. Like I'm not really. <sighs> um, I don't know. Like I went on this like <sighs> this year. My uh, my New Year's resolution was no more one night stands. Um, because they're just empty. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of just like the day after. Like, like I had a really low point. In, sorry, I'm getting weight. <laughs> uh, in December last year. I literally... He wouldn't get out of my bed, so I went on Tinder in front of him. And it was really horrible. i I'd, I'd not proud of it at all. Yeah. But I was like... I felt nasty after it. I was like... I just was like, go away. <laughs> um, And it felt really mean and really nasty. So like, my kind of thing was like, I don't like feeling that way. I'm not that person. Um, But I think when sex becomes slightly transactional and... Um, like without feeling and whatever it takes Like I mean, because there's always somebody always has feelings somewhere, and it's mm. like a weird, a weird thing. But after that was kind of a low point for me. I was like, I yeah, no, so no, uh, no sex without, no, yeah, like yeah, just no more one night stands. Um, and I have kept that this year. Mm. But then, like, you find you're just gone. <laughs> On a second date for the hell of it. Um, mm. no, like not always, but like, yeah, I d- I don't know. I'm like I'm terrible with romantic relate. Like I can't. You like I should. I'm in no position to give anybody advice. Like I'm ter- like I could not be worse. Yeah. Um. I um r- have physically ran away from relationships before. Um. Or like I don't mean actual relationships. I'm not like uh, be my girlfriend. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like I have like. Uh, yeah I, I kind of not very good with with that stuff so I I tend to kind of just like leave before it uh, yeah
0: <laughs> and what's your experience been on on things like Tinder or the, the dating apps especially oh, as oh
1: man I have stories really uh, yeah like I like I kind of love it like I had to give myself a break this year kind of but then like yeah like I kind of went I went off them um I think and then I re-downloaded Tinder like I think about a month and a half ago and then I deleted it after a week and then I went on Bumble like a month ago and I deleted that after a week cuz something about it just doesn't feel I I don't I just have to believe there's like something else out mm. there like cuz I just find I find the um the photograph thing really unnerving um in like just that idea that somebody's analysing how you look. Because generally when you see somebody in a bar or whatever, yeah, it's not that you're not analysing how they look, but you're analysing how they look in a completely different way because they tend to have an aura about them or they're really funny or they're really nice. or So you're not really... But this whole thing of like... And like some of the messages I've gotten, like you'd lose all faith in humankind. You yeah, like,
0: sort of I, I'd be fascinated to see what it's like from a female pr- oh point of Oh
1: man, like um, just... Like like I have uh, I am well endowed in my chest and like uh, just uh I one the one of the favourite ones I got was I think it was on Bumbuck, so I'd had to send the first message. So I was like, hey, here's gone Tits Like really you gotta give me something else than that like um. and then yeah you just uh, I find what I f- well I suppose what I find most interesting is men who are trying out this Tucker Max kind of model of like being is it Tucker Max what's his name the guy who wrote the playbook or one of those things right? who are trying to be really cruel to women Um, I find that really so like some guy I think who was you know good looking enough he um uh, he like, I'm not sure if he super liked me. Or, no, no, I think he's just liked, uh, swiped right, like matching us. So I'm like, hey, how's it going. He's like, oh, you know, just really bored, swiping right on whoever comes up, and like, st- like, and then like, we'll continue the conversation. And you're like, do do you honestly think that I'm just gonna let you kind of piss all over me? And then yeah, I I find it really really upsetting not upset oh no I don't get upset over it but like I'm just like is this what we've come to like and my brother is 27 so we're kind of in and around the same age And I'm just like if I thought my brother was talking to anybody like that I'd just be like what is what is wrong with you like serious like it's but the the guys that are trying to be mean and I've had quite a few of them like I had one guy who say something recently where like I had this funny thing about dominoes on my bio. Mm. Uh I don't I don't really eat dominoes, but anyway, i was a funny little bit. Mm. Uh and he uh he responded saying, um, uh if you eat all that dominoes, are you gonna get bloated and refuse to put out? And I was like, man, I'm not responding to you. Like, why did you even bother messaging me? Like that's just stupid. Like it's it's like yeah, but I do you wonder what kind of sick fantasies they're carrying out by being cruel to people cuz i just um i just don't uh, don't don't get it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. amazing what happens when you like especially cuz there's like uh, an understanding of like it's it's not just because of tinder like everyone's there because they're looking for something and it's it's either you know like a more like romantic thing like an emotional thing and the physical thing and then there's people that are just on there for like Physical thing. There's probably people who are just on there to be a cunt as well. Yeah. Um. But it's amazing then when you add that, and then the layer of the fact that like I'm not looking you in the eye yeah. and I'm not seeing how my yeah. words affect you. How people just become fucking psychopathic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I put it on my Instagram story the other day. This guy who viewed a room in our flat um last year, f- came into the apartment for like five minutes. I seen me
0: put this. And like, then yeah.
1: he had text me last year, and I had never text him my my flatmate had been the one texting him before that uh so I don't know how he ended up with my number but he did um or maybe it she had said look if get in touch with me or Katrina on whatever um so he sent me a message last year being like hey how do I have your number ha 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 and I was like don't know uh he was like so weird ha 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 and I was like yeah let me know if you find out why you have my number, but I just thought I kind of recognized him from the picture, and I just like whatever. But then, and then, like a year later, on cue, I get another message going. Hey, Katrina, any single friends I can use and abuse? And it was just like this man has a partner and a child. Like it's it's just really like oh, and again, it's the anonymity of it. Like I'm risking nothing, but but then why? Like again, my. Aunt. My analysisation is like, why why is this man feeling the need to do this? What is it fulfilling within him? Um, but yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I would like to just meet somebody naturally. Though I'm kind of just at a point now where like, I just if I don't meet somebody, I'm fine because um, I just actually don't want to partake in that stuff anymore. Yeah, um, I've been on some absolutely like mental dates, and like I could write a book at this point. Like, but yeah. Uh, so I d- have no regrets but like yeah it's just insane
0: yeah well that that is a book I would read <laughs> <laughs> Katrina thanks so much for playing personally thanks Vignor. for having me Um, it's been deadly is there any uh, I know is there any bits that you want to Plug or any social media anything like that or
1: no I'm on Twitter Instagram and I have a blog on medium.com slash at Katrina Daily but um, I have something that's returning later in the year but I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to announce yeah, it so cool. I'll leave it at that well, we'll keep an eye <laughs> on
0: Katrina Daily thanks so much
1: thanks Tom cheers <laughs>
0: So, guys, that was the excellent Katrina Daly playing personality bingo. A massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it, Katrina. It was such a pleasure to sit down and chat and get to know you that little bit better. Uh, and yeah, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, a few other thank yous um, to the brilliant uh, Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us aboard the head stuff. Podcast Network. Uh, also as always to the boss woman Erin Lindsay for mixing, editing and producing this podcast. It would not be possible without your wonderful work Erin and uh, it is such a pleasure to have you on board and also to the brilliant Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for their deadly theme music and as always to Connor Olin for the beautiful artwork. As I said, come check me out on stage in Copperface Jackson Musical at the Olympia Theatre until August 12th. We're having the best time doing it. Um, it's really, really good fun uh, and I think you guys would really enjoy it. So please do come and check it out. Uh, if you listen as always please feel free to pass this episode on to people that's the best way for us to get the word out there about the podcast and um, i really love doing it and it's always nice to know that uh, other people love listening so if that is something you're in a position to do whether that's just a tweet a retweet saying to a mate whatever that might be go and do it because it does honestly make a huge difference to us guys enough of all that again a huge thank you to you, katrina for taking the time to do it and tune in next week for another episode of personality bingo with tom Moore.